0: Biggest issues facing the small investor. On this week's Money Show podcast, we're going to explore some of the biggest issues facing small investors. For starters, why are small shareholders being overlooked when companies that we own shares in raise equity, diluting our holdings in the process? Marin Somerset Webb, our investment columnist, is here to talk about the investment industry backlash against this and how technology could provide the solution. Plus, the search for income is getting harder by the day. Dividends are at risk across the FTSE, and in this crucial earnings week. Five of the biggest payers in the FTSE are revealing whether they will pay or pass. And what could the pandemic mean for your pension? Fidelity's Micah Curry has been looking at ways that investors can maximise their retirement savings both now and in the future. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Now, private investors are feeling rather overlooked in this pandemic. We might have held firm on our investments in companies, digging in for the long term as share prices head south and dividends are passed, but now companies are passing us over when they come to raise equity. In recent weeks, firms including WH Smith's, Foxton's, and ASOS have gone straight to their institutional shareholders to raise raise emergency cash, bypassing small shareholders on their registers, diluting our stakes in the process. Now, this is not only angered investors, but the bosses of investment platforms that they trade on and FT Money columnist Merrin Somerset-Webb, who joins me on the line now. Welcome, Merrin. Well, investors, are they
1: right to feel angry about this treatment? Yes, absolutely. Very, very right to feel angry about it. All shareholders should have the same rights per share, right? And so if you issue new shares and in an environment like this, you're very often going to do it at something of a discount to the current share price because, you know, you need to get it away and you need to let shareholders know that if they give you access to more of their cash, then they're going to make a profit. That way they'll, you know, they'll give it to you again if you come back another time. So you generally do it at a discount, which of course is advantageous to the shareholders who buy and disadvantageous to the shareholders who have no opportunity to buy. So yes, absolutely. Retail shareholders, individual shareholders who do not have access to these issues have every right to feel aggrieved. Now, you say in your column that
0: Technology could provide the solution for this because firms have said in the past that we need to raise the money quickly. It would take too long to contact all of these individual shareholders on our registers. We just want to go to a small number of big institutions, but that doesn't have to be the case anymore.
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, the first thing to say is that you know not all these companies need to raise money in a hurry. You know, most companies, except that over the last the last decade or so, we've talked constantly about companies not being resilient enough, not having enough cash on their balance sheets, etc. But it's it's ridiculous to extrapolate from that that the companies that need to raise money need to do it tomorrow. Two or three weeks is fine. And if you do it the traditional way, where you do give retail shareholders a look in, it only takes two or three weeks. It's just not that big a deal. However, let's assume that people need cash right away. In the past, if you wanted cash right away, you could just issue maybe 5% of your shares without bothering to go to the retail investor. During this crisis, that's gone up to around 20%. And if you look at the numbers, you'll see that most of the companies that have raised equity have done so with about uh, you know 20% of their equity. So you know they are raising large amounts of cash, and there is admin involved there. However, one of the things that has changed over the last 20 years is this wonderful rise of technology, which means that almost all the things that were very difficult to involve retail investors in in the past are now relatively simple. And there are new entrants to the market. The main one and the one that I talk about in the column is a company called Primary Bid, which effectively allows retail investors to sign up to an app. And as long as the company is on board within a very short time of the issue being released to institutional investors, it can also be released to retail investors. And you can use the app to get all the same information in institutional investor would and to buy. The shares in the same way. So that's very, very straightforward. And if it works, and if it exists, there's no reason for companies not to use it, no reason at all. Now, obviously, having lots of small shareholders can be more difficult than having a couple of good institutional shareholders who you talk to all the time. But that's not really the point. The point is that all shareholders should have the same rights.
0: And Meryn, why would you say big companies need smaller investors? Because certainly the level of private share ownership since the 60s has absolutely plummeted in the UK.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely. Well, one thing to say is that big companies may not feel that they do need smaller shareholders in that most smaller shareholders in the uk will have access to big corporates via funds so you know most of us in auto enrollment and that kind of thing we hold our equities via the funds chosen for us by the firm that our firm has chosen for us to run our pension so most people hold equities one way or another but i think that there's something very important about having an active and engaged shareholder democracy you know a lot of the knots that big companies have tied themselves up in over the last decades in terms of particularly esg issues have been about only being involved with institutional investors are not listening to the voice of smaller investors. So you need those retail investors, partly because you're obliged to have them, um, and partially because they'll give you a different view and a different take on how your company should work and be run.
0: Finally, Merrin, with dividends being cut left, right and centre at the moment, you've written about this in FT Money um, in previous weeks, it's getting even harder for investors to generate
1: an income. How much harder do you think it could get? Well, it could get a lot harder. It all depends on how long this crisis goes on for, and on also how you look at the crisis. You know, I tend to take the view that right now the economy is less in recession and more in the deep freeze. And when it's unfrozen, it will bounce back pretty quickly. I know that's at the optimistic end of what people think, but that's how I'm generally seeing at the moment. If you get a quick bounce back, then you really don't have to worry about next year's dividends. And the other thing to bear in mind is that while we are seeing huge cuts in dividends, almost everybody who announces a dividend policy is announcing a cut or a suspension. But you know, BP has just said it's keeping theirs, and the real point is that just because a dividend is cut doesn't mean that cash doesn't still exist and the profit doesn't still exist it just means you're not getting the payout now so let's say that we are just you know really in the deep freeze we see a nice smart bounce back and most of the companies that have hung on to their cash in order to improve their resilience during the crisis which is not a bad thing that cash will still be available for payouts so we may see next year a round of higher dividend payments or special dividends. And in the meantime, of course, that cash pile should be reflected in the capital value of the shares. So you might not be getting the dividend, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're losing anything. Okay, well, thank you very much there
0: to Maren Somerset-Webb, Editor-in-Chief of Money Week and FT Money columnist. You can read her column, Bypass Retail Investors at Your Peril, now on our website, ft.com money. My next guest today, Fidelity's Micah Curry, also knows a thing or two about investing for income. Ten years ago, when we worked together at the Investors Chronicle, she even wrote a book about it called The Search for Income, although investors, unfortunately, are now having to look much, much harder to find it. But welcome to The Money Show, Micah. Thanks for coming on today. Now, the reason you've written for us this week is because anyone who's trying to generate a retirement income from their investments will be having a really tough time this year.
2: That's right. No one is enjoying the coronavirus or the impact it is having on financial markets. But perhaps there's no group that's worrying more than those who were hoping to retire in the near future. And many will be wondering if they need to rethink their plans. Beyond the fact that all of us have witnessed our pension pots decimated by the market falls, there's also been the company Dividend Coal, which has been staggering. And to give you an idea of the scale, figures show that out of the 176 dividend announcements from UK-listed companies, only 14 companies are still making payments. So in other words, 92% are involved in either cancelling or suspending their income payments. Now, investors will be hit hard by this. And we saw the same thing happen during the financial crisis, not nearly to the same extent. But as you know, reinvesting dividends and the benefits of compounding mean that they're one of the most powerful tools available for boosting returns over time. And of course, for drawing income, this has a disproportionate impact on older investors who rely on investment income to fund their retirement, including those in pension drawdown plans who remain actively invested in retirement and focus on those income generating funds to generate income from their pension savings.
0: Absolutely. And in your FC Money column this weekend, you've given some pointers for the hundreds of thousands of pension savers who've gone into drawdown plans. Now, if anyone doesn't know what drawdown means, you're essentially leaving your um, pension fund invested in the stock market throughout your retirement so you can draw down an income from it. So, of course, the absence of this income is going to be very concerning.
2: So, one thing you could do is temporarily reduce the amount of income taken from your pension which might be a useful way to lessen the impact of market activity. So if you can push through the short-term downturn and benefit from the eventual recovery, there is a chance to navigate the choppy waters without eating into your capital. What you should be careful of is withdrawing a fixed amount in the current environment because this will erode your savings quicker if your investments are down. So try to live off the natural yield. This may be more suitable because it won't deplete the investment itself. Also, one point I mentioned in my column is look into partial drawdown or F plus. F+ plus stands for the very catchy, uncrystallized fun pensioned lump sum. Now these are two similar concepts, but with very subtle and important differences. To sum it up really is we all know that we can take 25 percent of our pension, Tax free. Now, if you take all your tax free cash now, you won't be able to take any more in the future. The alternative is to take your pension in slices. And this means at a later date, when markets may have recovered, you could potentially take larger sums with 25% tax free. Because you're not withdrawing the full amount of tax free cash, you're not cashing in unnecessary units to get the income you need. And This combined with whatever other income you have, if you can keep it below the personal annual allowance, you will pay no tax at all.
0: So, for pension savers who are still in the accumulation phase, i.e. still saving into their pensions, it could be tempting to cut contributions in
2: these times of uncertainty. It might seem like a tall order to tell someone you've got to maintain your contributions if they're worried about keeping their job, if they are being furloughed. But the key thing here is if you keep up with those pension contributions, you continue to make the most of tax relief and pound cost averaging. And if you are going on furlough, unless you've been told otherwise, both your own pension contributions and your employer's contributions will continue at the current rate. They will be based on the amount you're paid while on furlough. So if you still have some form of income, even if your employer is cutting pension contributions, and we know a number of companies are looking into that, there's nothing stopping you from continuing to contribute. Cutting contributions are going to have an impact on the value of your pension savings when you come to retire. And the key thing that you don't want to do at this difficult time is add fuel to the fire. And
0: finally, Micah, although very few people nowadays think of using their pension fund to buy an annuity when they come up to retirement, there are some groups for whom it could still make a lot of
2: sense. You're right, many people have shunned annuities in the wake of pension freedoms, but there's still a place for annuities. And even though underlying annuity interest rates are low, it's worth remembering that if you have a medical condition, you may be able to get an enhanced rate. And it's important to investigate this option. See what rate you can obtain because most rates will differ from one person to the next. And this simply allows you to make an informed decision on whether you can afford to retire on the annuity income or whether it's worthwhile deferring in the hope of securing a higher income at a later stage. It might happen that interest rates have the opportunity to increase slightly or your health has deteriorated or you benefit from mortality gain. Of course, none of these are guaranteed to happen. But remember, there's no such thing as a standard annuity rate. Even your height and weight will make a difference to the rate you can get.
0: Well, somebody who's been overeating under lockdown, I say... (laughs) Gold. Likewise. <laughs> well, thank you very much there to Micah Curry, Investment Director at Fidelity International. You can read her column in FT Money this weekend, Five Ways to Protect Your Pension Under the Pandemic. That's in the FT Weekend newspaper out this Saturday. Or if you're an online subscriber, you can read it now via ft.com slash money. Now, on the subject of pensions, the FT's pensions correspondent, Josephine Cumbo, is chairing a free webinar for FT readers this Friday, the 1st of May, to discuss the funding challenges faced by final salary pension schemes. It's a little bit techy, but some of you may be very interested in this if you are lucky enough to have a final salary pension. And the head of the pensions regulator and Sir Steve Webb, former pensions minister, are preparing to be likely grilled by Joe. It's free to watch, You can even ask questions to the panellists, but you need to register first via this free link, ft.com slash pension event. That's in the singular ft.com slash pension event. Thanks also to those of you who emailed to say how you're teaching your children about money matters as part of homeschooling under lockdown. We'll be writing more about that in FT Money next week, so we're very keen to hear more of your stories. If you want to get in touch with the team, you can email us our address, money at ft.com. And you can follow us on Twitter for the latest news updates. Our handle is at ftmoney. The Money Show is produced in London by Lucy Warwick Ching and edited by Fiona Simon. We will be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye.
3: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga.
1: Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com